Thank you for joining us for this episode of Talking Talent. I'm Nicole Fuqua. You're listening to our audio series where we dig into issues related to talent acquisition. Today is the first episode in a two-part conversation about employer value propositions and employer branding. As employers face increasing competition for the best talent, a well-defined employer value proposition or an EVP and an employer brand strategy have become more important than ever. In a candidate-driven market, employers need to stand out to their target audiences through a unified EVP and employer brand. High-quality candidates know what they want out of a future employer, and organizations that don't effectively show their value to candidates risk losing them to the competition. To talk about this, joining us is Simon Wright, Managing Partner of Talent Advisory here at People Scout. With more than 20 years of experience in RPO and talent management consulting, Simon brings a global perspective to talent acquisition and engagement, having spent time living and working across the EMEA and Asia-Pacific regions. As managing partner for a talent advisory practice, Simon is a trusted advisor to HR and talent leaders. Operating at a strategic level, Simon has a proven track record of building and driving creative and innovative strategic talent programs that positively impact business performance. Simon leads an industry-leading and award-winning multidisciplinary team of subject matter experts across the talent lifecycle, including employer brand and EVP, assessment and development, and diversity and inclusion, who deliver impressive outcomes for clients across a range of industries and sectors. Simon, thanks for joining us today. No problem. Please enjoy. Now, Simon, I want to start by defining our terms here. There are so many different definitions for employer value propositions and employer brands. How do you define them and how are they different? Yeah, it's a really good question because I think as uh, employer brand has evolved and and developed as a a specialism and uh, as organizations put more focus on it, there's been a plethora of kind of terms that have appeared and sometimes they get used interchangeably. But but for us, they mean... um, different things. They're connected, uh, but they're different. And if you go to Google, you'll find um, thousands of of different definitions. But for us, the distinction between an employer value proposition and an employer brand is really around the employer value proposition is the the DNA. It, It captures the essence of what makes you an employer and really describes the give and the get between you and your employees in terms of that deal. So the EVP really is the underpinning foundations on which you then build your employer brand. It should really differentiate you from your competition, embody the purpose and values and culture of of the organization, and balance what the experience should be for employees versus what the employer, you as an organization may want. Uh, That's really what the EVP is. The employer brand, on the other hand, is is actually the perception and the lived experience of what it's like to work for an organization. So whether we like it or not, an employer brand uh, exists. Every organization has an employer brand. Whether it's what we want it to be is the reason for having the EVP, because the EVP allows you to define what you want that promise to be. And then hopefully over time, you can start to impact on your employer brand by managing uh, the activities. There's a great quote from uh, the CEO of uh, of Amazon, and he says, your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And I think that's a really good description of what an employer brand is. It's what people are talking about in their networks, on social media, uh, by the water cooler. It's, It's that kind of description of it. 
But the key is you can manage your employer brand by making sure that through uh, the touch points of the candidate journey, through the employee experience, the way that you are you deliver those will uh, make it a more positive or a negative experience in terms of what how then people talk about the brand itself. Well, thank you. And I expect we'll also be talking about employer branding platforms. Can you explain what those are and how that term is different from an employer brand? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, an employer brand platform is really the uh, the messaging uh, and creative against which you uh, then articulate your the the employer value proposition so the employer brand is the the experience about what people say the employer brand platform is almost the the look and feel the identity the messaging the creative that uh, candidates and colleagues will will interact interact with so it's about using the brand platform is about trying to create that consistency to make sure that whenever people see that brand whether it's through a uh, job ad online or whether it's through uh, activity on social media or when they come to the career site that they're engaging there are consistencies to that that experience and the communication that you receive which allows you to reinforce that messaging and the story that you want to tell so the employer brand uh, is the output the employer brand platform is the output of of the employer value proposition the definition that you create So can you tell me a little bit about the current ways that employers handle EVP development and building out employer brand platforms and what are some of the shortcomings to that method? I think what's really interesting is in terms of, um, you know, the dynamic that we operate in, in terms of the the world that, that, uh, that we live in today, the only constant is change. And, and therefore, in terms of starting to think about um, our story for, for employees and that, that proposition, typically employer value propositions are either developed in a moment in time. So at the point that they're developed, they're almost out of date by the time that they're launched because the organization's moved on. So there's a real challenge to make sure that an EVP has got that um, dynamism that allows it to be responsive and flexible to to respond to a kind of changing market dynamic. You need it to be um, future-proof to last uh, the test of time. So uh, to be uh, relevant for, for, for a period of time and be adaptable to, to a changing situation. The other factor, I guess, around an EVP is sometimes they're kind of cooked up in a um, in a lab in an environment where it's got no um, relevance in terms of its uh, authenticity and uh, to the audience itself. So you know, it's created by uh, a group of marketers who, uh, on a whiteboard, come up with a whole series of great strap lines. But actually, it's not based in any evidence. So it's not born out of a deep understanding of the organization, of its culture, of the challenges that the organization faces. So the EVP is kind of, um, you know, it's a, it's a marketing line, it's a headline or a strap line, rather than actually being something which is uh, at the core of the DNA of, of that organization. So for us, it's really important that an EVP is grounded um, in deep insights and understanding of uh, the organization, the reality of working for, for the organization rather than kind of being created in a um, in a bubble as well. So I want to lay out in our series of conversations here how our listeners can build an EVP, an employer brand platform effectively and share it. But to make the case for employers who may be thinking about starting this journey, 
As you transition to this new method we'll lay out, what benefits can they see? Yeah, so the, the business case uh, for investing in an employer value proposition and, and investing in an employer brand is is really compelling. Uh, there's been a whole set of studies that, that we've conducted and other experts in, in the field like uh, Gartner and uh, Cornell University uh, have really kind of looked into this as a topic area because one of the big challenges that people in talent acquisition and in um, HR struggle with sometimes is demonstrating business impact back to, to the organization. So when we think about um, employer brand, there are some real tangible benefits. So I'll just go through a couple. Um, so one is around actually uh, being able to reach deeper into the labor market. So um, the research says that organizations with an actively managed value proposition are able to reach 50% deeper into the labor market to attract passive candidates. So thinking about those organizations where uh, it's a skill shortage area, or maybe you're not reaching the right quality of candidates in the right numbers, actually having a really strong value proposition can just give you reach to passive candidates that maybe you wouldn't reach um, if you didn't have that kind of defined proposition. The second then is around uh, those organizations in terms of salary premiums. And, and the data suggests actually that employers that have a really attractive value proposition pay 11% lower salary premiums than um, those organizations that have an unattractive EVP or one that's not well managed. So actually, against upper quartile, um, you know, potentially uh, organizations have seen the benefit of an 11% lower salary premiums to pay. So real financial benefit. And interestingly, you know, if you look at the workforce and how uh, millennials and Generation Z, whilst pay is always going to be part of the conversation, it's not the most important factor. It sits alongside other important factors like purpose, vision, uh, you know, uh, agenda around corporate social responsibility. So when you package up that EVP to tell that story, it becomes important. One of the other factors then is when you think about people joining the organization. So um, the data says that employees joining an organization with a, a strong EVP are 38% more committed to joining than those with a poorly articulated proposition. So that kind of buy-in, and again, if you think about um, direct hiring rather than needing to use agencies, if you're taking your brand to market and you're having a direct conversation with those candidates and they're joining you because of who you are as an organization rather than joining you because it's just a job, actually by default, they're, you know, they're going to be more engaged, more committed to the organization that they're staying. And the result of that is on the other side, because people understand the purpose, they understand what they're coming into as an organization, they understand the culture and what that means and, and what's expected of you and what the organization is going to give in return. Uh, you know, the stats show that uh, turnover can reduce by nearly a third um, by having a really strong EVP because having it throughout the employee life cycle and having those touch points there for people means that actually the promise that you're making can be fulfilled. So that authenticity point, though, is crucial to it. And then it can drive down cost per hire because you've got a strong brand. And when people are making the decisions around um, looking for, for roles and they see your brand and people are talking positively about it, organizations have seen uh, savings of up to 43% in terms of cost per hire by having a really strong and compelling employer brand that makes you a destination for, for talent. So when we think about the fact that people use, on average, 13 different sources of information on their job-seeking journey, 
if your brand is present and that story comes to life and you've got advocates within the organization talking about you and people are making a choice over you over somebody else it puts you in a much stronger position and therefore the cost of acquisition reduces because people start to come to you rather than you having to go out to, to find them and then finally um, those organizations, and this is the one for the CFO in every organization, uh, companies with well-evolved EVPs are twice as likely to deliver financial performance substantially above their peers. Because when you put it all together, with you've got a more committed workforce, where you've got loyal advocates for a brand, where you're starting to see actually the cost of hiring and lower attrition, put it all together, the, the business case for investing in EVP is very, very strong. So what actually makes a strong EVP? What are the factors that you need to consider and you need to have? Yeah, I think as, a, uh, as I said a moment ago, a kind of the dynamism point is probably really critical in terms of making sure that um, an EVP is, is future-proof. But really for us, um, you know, the starting point for having a really strong EVP is making sure that, that firstly it's unique. So uh, there are lots of organizations that, you know, when you, when you start to look at uh, benefits and you look at salary, um, they're all much of a muchness. So there's no differentiation in terms of the core uh, offer that, um, you know, almost the hygiene factors. So therefore, you need to find something in your uh, proposition which is unique and differentiated that allows you to stand out from the competition. Because in a marketplace where talent has got far more choice about where it can and wants to work, it's going to go for the thing which actually is uh, offers something which is different from, from everybody else. So making sure that it's unique so you can, can stand out. So having that kind of unique point of view. People talk, you know, with these generic statements about, you know, people are our, our greatest asset or join the team and make a difference. It doesn't really help them make that um, that point of difference. So when we did some work recently for Linklaters, which is a glo global law firm, uh, the EVP was centered around this kind of unique proposition of great changes here, a real rallying call for people to say, actually, uh, you know, that there is change happening in the outside world. Come to Linklaters and be part of that change and drive that change. And actually, you're the change maker. So coming to the organization, your arrival is also going to create change. So it was an identifier for talent of what we were looking for in terms of people. So first one is, is uniqueness. The second one then is authenticity. So there is no point in making a promise for something that you can't then fulfill. It's really critical to ensure that um, when you build the EVP, it's a promise that you can deliver. Because people are, uh, with things like Glassdoor and Indeed, yeah, very quick to highlight organizations that aren't delivering authenticity in, in their employee experience. So it needs to be delivered in a, a really um, authentic way. And that's both in terms of the promise that you make, but also the way that you communicate that through the employer brand platform. So having an employer brand platform that uses stock photography and lots of people sat around a desk smiling or lots of people in a, a warehouse smiling, um, and they're not your employees and it's not real, people can see through it. So the research now says, you know, trust in, in uh, organizations is at an all-time low. Um, so this is the research from, from Edelman. People can see the difference between authentic and not now. Um, so it's really important to make sure that whatever you do is a, um, a real expression of, of who you are. And then the third facet then is around aspiration. So uh, having an EVP which is uh, focused in what the reality of the organization is today, 
but doesn't have that edge of where you're going in the future um, is a limiting factor because ultimately the people that you bring into an organization, you want them to be those game changers. You want them to be those people that are going to take the organization forward. So you need to, it needs to have an aspirational edge around where you're going and therefore the impact that those people can make on that journey to get you to, to where you want to go in terms of uh, business objectives and, uh, and business goals. And that really gives that kind of scene set for people to see that there's a vision for the future. There's something that people can buy in, which is, is further down the line. And that then enables you back to the original point around dynamism to have that balance there to make sure that uh, it is kind of future proofed, but also it's uh, agile to respond to the, the change that comes with it as well. How do you develop an EVP like that? You mentioned earlier you can't just have a bunch of marketing people in a room with a whiteboard. So what kind of steps do you need to take to make sure you're hitting each one of those points? Yeah, so when we um, when we develop an EVP, it really starts by being grounded in uh, gathering robust insights um, because, uh, you know, to all those points about making sure it's authentic, making sure it's aspirational, unique and dynamic, it goes through this kind of immersive process to understand, well, what is the, the reality? What is that authenticity? What are the points that make you unique? And also really understanding what, um, what that aspiration is. So we, we typically do it with three kind of key key elements. The first is to um, really understand the aspiration, which is understanding both the short and the long-term goals and how the organization uh, is looking in terms of, you know, what does it want the employee experience to look like? So this is about talking to senior leaders in the organization and getting a sense of, you know, where's the business going to be in five years' time? What are the behavioral traits that we're going to look for in the organization? You know, what's it going to feel like for people to, to work here? What's the culture going to be like? Um, you know, if people uh, arrived on day one, what, what would they see? What would they feel? What, what would they experience? So very much future focused because that allows us to start to think about the aspiration and uh, think about actually the types of people that we need to attract and engage with the right types of people. So, and then that, then we speak to typically people in the organization that are doing the, the roles today, working in the organization and the different um, talent segments that, that you're looking to attract to understand the reality. So uh, being grounded in the kind of things that go well and maybe sometimes the things that don't go well. So uh, we get the offset of the reality versus the aspiration because the aspiration by default is not necessarily the reality. We need to understand the gap between those two two phases. But it's about really speaking to people to understand what attracted people to join in the first place. Why do people stay? So what engages them? What gets them out of bed every morning to come to work? What makes it such a great place to work? Uh, and also understanding from people that have left the organization, why did they leave? Because when we think about recruitment marketing, we make, need to make sure that we don't oversell so we don't focus too much on the aspiration and don't um, weave enough of the authenticity and the reality of what it's like for the organization. And then the final component is really getting that kind of uh, external read of, of what the perception's like. So we talked before about the kind of, you know, the brand is the loved, lived experience. That lived experience, people share their experiences and therefore there'll be people that have a perception. And sometimes that perception can be that there is no understanding of the brand. They've never heard of it. They don't know what it'd be like for an, uh, to be an employer or that they're aware of it as being a strong consumer brand, so they know the name and, and that conjures up an image for them. 
but um, is that a place that they would want to work? So we're looking at it in terms of profile, in terms of the understanding the characteristics, what attributes people see, what kind of personalities do they um, think of when, when they see that brand. And somewhere between those three um, axes will be um, the kind of center point for, for that EVP. And that's almost the foundations against which we can then start to think about the framework that we build. So it really starts with that robust insight gathering. In the insight gathering process, especially when you're talking to current employees and trying to find that authenticity, how do you make sure you're getting real, honest answers? And how do you get a real outside view to capture what's really unique? Yeah, so the way that we gather um, insights typically is through uh, focus groups with different audiences. So what we'll tend to do is work with an organization in the definition phase to understand who the key kind of talent groups are. So either which are the areas where you see demand being in the future or where they're critical roles to the organization and speak to those uh, those groups to get that kind of understanding. So we might do it depending on the, uh, the the scale of the organization or the geographical spread. That could be a mix of uh, focus groups or online uh, groups to collect it in a kind of qualitative way. Because what we're trying to get is rich stories that, that come out from those, or it could be done through one-to-one -one interviews, but really to get that richness and that deep understanding. But we'll also do to get kind of scale is do uh, qualitative research um, or quantitative research in terms of getting the... Um, the kind of depth and the volume where we can uh, start to identify trends and patterns as part of it as well. So a real mixture of, of, of insight gathering. But then we also look at the competitor analysis. So to that point around uniqueness, very often what we'll do is we'll, we'll look at the competitor set. And, and really that competitor piece is interesting because it's not just about the competitors which are in the same sector it's actually competitors for talent and that could be across a different range of sectors. So for example, if people were recruiting into digital, it doesn't mean that you're just, uh, your competitors are just the Amazons and the Googles and the Facebooks. Actually, you're competing with Goldman Sachs or you're competing with um, DHL from a, from a logistics perspective. So what we tend to look at is uh, competitors for talent rather than competitors in sector or we look at comparators. So can, comparators typically is in the context of an organization that's maybe going through a transformation. And what we're looking at is how those organizations have described their transformation um, so that we can start to, again, anchor um, a point of difference so we can get that unique uh, perspective coming through as well. So what we want to do is make sure that when we get to start to thinking about that messaging, uh, we don't do it in a kind of isolated box of just taking the insights of speaking to people in the organization. We look at what's going on in the external market in terms of how people are communicating today and then kind of plot where where the points of difference are and where there's an ownable space for, for that brand to, to lead with their messages. You've given us a little bit of a hint of this already, but can you share an example of an EVP that you've developed using this method and what kind of impact it had? Yeah, so um, I mentioned uh, Linklaters, which is a, um, a global law firm where we helped develop their, their EVP for them. Um, and, and that was really about the uh, legal sector going through quite a, a radical transformation, I guess, um, with, with two key components. One, that actually, um, you know, with uh, automation and, and AI, 
you know, that's uh, law has been one of the first sectors to really be um, impacted by by that. So where people used to sit and read through page after page after page of contracts, technology has really enabled that kind of administrative activity to be accelerated through the use of technology. So actually for the law firms, the real focus is on uh, the intellect and the advisory elements to help work with an organization more strategically in a more advisory capacity than in the more traditional kind of um, uh, processing element that goes with it. So that requires a different type of person. And it requires the organization to engage with its customers in different ways and it requires um, you know, a, a, a change in the way that um, the organization kind of behaves internally as well in terms of its, its role and it, its kind of purpose. So we link later on the back of both this kind of change to them as an organization of the impact of technology. Also with things like globalization, you know, we've seen, um, you know, big global uh, mergers and acquisitions going through. We've seen big kind of risk and compliance issues taking place. Uh, actually, the kind of uh, the the uh, rule of law and the importance of of law has become almost ever more profound, and therefore, you know, it's an unprecedented um, period of change within the sector. So, for Linklaters to make sure as a Magic uh, Circle law firm, so Magic Circle um, in the UK is one of the uh, one of the four or five kind of leading law firms. Um, to make sure that it, it stands out from the competition and attracts the very best talent, both at uh, entry level, uh, but also at, at partner level as well, all the way through to partner level, that their proposition was unique. So as I said, we kind of came up with this idea of great changes here, which was to fuel this idea of uh, Linklaters leading the charge, being at the forefront of that, that change, but actually requiring people that can come on board and, and help Linklaters continue on that journey. And it was underpinned by um, a series of pillars that gave us the ability to flex the messaging for different geographies and, and different territories. So great changes here as a kind of lead proposition is really important as a kind of universal truth. But what we need to do is to make sure that by having that EVP, we can reflect the the needs of different audiences, firstly, but then secondly, we can reflect the needs of different geographies as well. So what the pillars enable us to do is to give us that um, flex to emphasize and accentuate um, key messages to those different geographies. And what was interesting through the insight phase is we were able to see actually what was important in APAC was potentially different than what was important in in EMEA and then within EMEA what was different between the UK and Germany um, or the UK and France and then offset that against actually uh, what does that mean in North America so whilst great changes here gives us that kind of core proposition the pillars give us that flexibility to really hone into uh, the components which would be critical in the key uh, recruiting countries that territories that we were operating in. That sounds like the perfect place to wrap up our conversation this week. We'll continue talking next week. So thank you, Simon, for joining me today. It's a pleasure. Thanks very much. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week to continue this conversation and share how you can take this well-developed EVP and employer brand platform and put it out into the world. If you have any questions that we didn't cover today, you can send them our way. You can email us at marketing at peoplescout.com or you can find us on social media. Just search People Scout on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. 
If you'd like to learn more about employer value propositions and employer branding, check out the latest edition of our magazine, People Scout Next. Just go to peoplescout.com next to get your digital copy. And to make sure you don't miss an episode, visit our blog and subscribe to our feed on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review. Talking Talent is a People Scout production, music by sound design through Shutterstock.